Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's very special episode of the Informational Interviews hosted by the Actuarial Science Club at the University of Nebraska. Today, I have Dave Kester. Dave is the president and owner of Coaching Actuaries. Dave graduated from the University of Northern Illinois, Northern Iowa, with a degree in secondary mathematics. For those of you that do not know, Dave, or Coach K as many people know, is the main coach present in the financial mathematics and probability learn videos presented in Coaching Actuaries Learn Modules. Dave, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Matt. Thanks for letting me be here. Well, we're very happy to have you on here today, and we're very excited to, you know, gather your insights on all things coaching actuaries in the actuarial profession. And unfortunately, we weren't able to host you this semester. We were looking forward to hosting you on campus this semester, but due to some unforeseen for circumstances, we weren't able to do that. But we're happy to have you on here today. Yeah, this is a good second best. <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right. Well, I guess without further ado, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and your professional story? Sure. Well, thanks, Matt. Uh, yeah, as Matt said, I'm from UNI, which uh, here the I stands for Iowa. Uh, and I graduated many moons ago, 1986. I won't try to even figure out how many years ago, but I guess that makes me old. Uh, but uh, it does seem just like yesterday. And uh, my big ambition growing up was to be a math teacher. Both my parents were teachers and I love math and that's what I wanted to be. And then I graduated and I did have a, uh, a problem in that for some reason, I was not able to get a math teaching job, uh, go figure, but uh, I was able to stumble into an actuarial position, which I really did not want to do because quite honestly, I did not think I was capable of becoming an actuary. And, uh, and my mind was really, art was set at becoming a math teacher. So it was a big disappointment to get that position, but I thought I'll do it for one year and then after that, I will get a, a teaching job. But uh, as the story goes, I, I kind of fell in love with the profession, taking the exams and work. And uh, I did off in the health industry. And, uh, you know, I really was just for a job. And uh, so I, I took whatever I could get. I, I soon found out that the health industry wasn't really where I wanted to land. So uh, I, I was more interested in the life industry. And about two years later, I got an opportunity to work for a life insurance company and worked there for about another six, or excuse me, eight years. And, uh, and after going through some mergers, acquisitions and whatnot, the company kind of grew and changed. And I realized I uh, wanted to look for something different. And uh, that's when I decided to uh, start my own company. And uh, it, looking back, it was kind of a, a big step uh, to do that. But uh, ironically, it was when I became an FSA is when this occurred, and I kind of realized that what the company was expecting me to do once I became an FSA was sit through a lot of meetings and uh, uh, manage things, and a lot of people, that's their aspirations. For me, I found out that that was not really motivating to me, and and I found it uh, kind of, uh, a, a, it felt like work. And uh, I missed the opportunity to actually uh, work on projects. And that's what I realized I, I really enjoyed doing was to, to create things. And so uh, that's what I figured in order for me to do that, I'm, I need to kind of be my own boss. And so that's kind of what motivated me to, to start my own company at that time. So that's been quite a few years ago. And 
I, I guess I haven't looked back since. You know, that's really cool to kind of hear your uh, own professional and like personal story and kind of like how you stumbled upon where you are today. Um, so you said one of the big things was, uh, you know, whenever you were, you achieved your FSA, uh, you wanted to transition out of that because that wasn't exactly aligning with your passions. Mm -hmm. um, and you said you wanted to start and, you know, work on projects and stuff like that and, and more of something that, you know, drives you to what mm -hmm. you want to do. Right. Right. Um, so outside of, you know, driving what you wanted to do um, to that field, um, what are some key principles that you used in choosing your career path? Yeah, well, I, you know, I think that uh, you learn a lot as you get in the workforce, and it's good to have plans, but uh, it's not until you actually jump in the water that you really feel like uh, you learn how to swim. And so as I was, uh, as an actuary kind of technician, I learned a lot of technology and what uh, I really found what motivated me was to use that technology to build systems that would solve actual processes. You know, I got a kick out of taking things that were manual and automating them or taking things that uh, were inefficient and making them efficient or taking things that were not scalable and scaling them. Uh, and those things really were a lot of fun for me. And so, I didn't know that before I started, but uh, as I learned that about myself, I kind of realized that that's something I, I wanted to uh, to do for my career. And uh, and I think uh, as I was going through the exams, I never considered myself as anything special as far as intelligence goes. Uh, and yet, uh, you know, I got through the exams. I, I really think what kept me from becoming, wanting to become an actual was I didn't think I was smart enough, but what I realized what was really more important was persisting and sticking with it. And so that was one of the principles I, I really tried to follow was to um, uh, stick with it and really to become a successful actuary. It was more about uh, being persistent than it was necessarily about having to be the smartest person in the room. Fantastic. Um, and that's really interesting to see that the technical aspect of actuarial actually drove you to kind of where you are today um, and mm -hmm. in all your developments and, um, and your company as of right now. Right. And I'm really glad you brought up the whole aspect of persistence because um, a lot of actuaries uh, and actuarial science students in general are always, you know, I mean, I've been a victim of this. I've always doubted myself whenever I'm studying for an exam or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, can I really do this? Um, and it's not really whether about if you're smart enough, because majority of actuarial students um, that take the exams are smart enough to pass them. It's right. just being persistent and just keep mm -hmm. going ahead and just keep grinding out the um, material until mm -hmm. you really know it like that. Um, mm -hmm. And that is hard to do. Like, as you said, it is not an easy, you know, task to really be, you know, accustomed with at first, but right. you know, that's, we, we took it on and we can do it. Right. That's right. Yeah. And, and sometimes that can be overwhelming because if you look at the whole mountain, uh, I know for me, uh, I couldn't imagine, but I, I somehow I remember distinctly that I had this idea that, uh, I really wanted to try to get one exam done. And I figured if I could get one exam done, then I felt like, uh, I could do the other exams. And that was kind of a blind faith, but uh, it was a story I told myself 
and I think that there's that was a useful thing to learn because really once you can pass one exam, you, you are capable of passing the others. And so uh, it can be overwhelming looking at all the exams and that can paralyze you from not ever wanting to start because it's like, okay, I, I, there's no way I can do this. But uh, like a lot of big projects, you, you want to divide and conquer and break it up into smaller pieces and bite-sized pieces and, and that are manageable that you can do on a daily basis. And you realize, okay, I don't have to be a superman or superhero to do this. I can still have a life. I can still uh, be myself. I just kind of need to be um, disciplined. And, uh, you know, being disciplined is a good thing. And, uh, but there's also balance. You know, you can still achieve balance in what you, in your, in your life. Very true. And I'm really glad you brought up about how the main aspect we need to do is just be disciplined. Um, and if we break down everything into manageable bite-sized pieces, as you said, it is a doable process. Um, right. And that's one of the big things that we um, kind of look at um, as students is we look at the holistic view and we see, whoa, seven exams for an ASA, three more exams for an FSA. And that doesn't even include the modules outside of that. That's what we see at first. Right. But if you break it down, it's so much more digestible um, to really kind of see that maybe I can do this. And, you know, if I stay disciplined and really focus on achieving one little thing at a time, I can do this. Correct. Yeah, I agree with that. Fantastic. And then you kind of touched a little bit upon this in your previous uh, response, but what drove you to really start developing study materials for actuarial exams? Yeah, you're right. The, the, uh, what I learned about myself was I, uh, I enjoyed automating things. And so I, then I looked at the actual studying process. And my first uh, thing I did when I started my own company was uh, developed a software to help people pass one of the upper level exams. Uh, and it, when I studied myself, I created a lot of uh, uh, questions and answers. That's kind of how I studied. I, I couldn't just read a book and, and study. I had to kind of do something active. So I would write down a question and then I would on a card and then I'd flip it over and write down the answer. And then I would drill myself on that uh, process. And so I thought, well, uh, since that worked for me, perhaps that will work for other people. So I decided to create an, uh, a program that would automate that uh, question and answer process. And uh, so one of the things I've really kind of been driven by is uh, avoiding kind of one-off solutions and, and uh, one-offs are usually never efficient. And that's the challenge with studying is that uh, we all have to take exams and they're individual but that doesn't mean we can't benefit from a community of helping each other to make the process easier. And, and so I kind of was motivated to automate that and kind of make it a little bit easier for other people. And so that was kind of my first project. Now it wasn't overly successful at first. And, uh, and so then I, you know, moved into consulting and, and started doing consulting work, but I always kept doing the, uh, online education on the side and my friends would call it my hobby. And even though I, I worked hard at it, uh, it, it was never really paying the bills like the consulting was, but I, I got so much pleasure out of it. I kept doing it. And of course I kept hoping someday it would take off, but for about 15 years, it was more of a hobby um, than it was a uh, 
a serious business. And, uh, but that was okay. I learned a lot in those 15 years about how, what to do and what not to do. And, uh, and I learned a lot in my consulting period, but I was always interested in to try to make the education part work. That's really, so, um, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, uh, I, I was just trying to figure out if I'd answer your question on that. I kind of got off. Oh, um, no, yeah, that, that answered it. Yeah, that was perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so this, maybe in summary, I, I really like to build things, I guess is really what it, it amounted to. And, and, uh, and so uh, I, I enjoyed building solutions for students passing exams. And I enjoyed building solutions for uh, actuaries to help their jobs go better. Fantastic. Yeah, no, that's like I said, like that kind of touched upon your response in the, the first question about how you love to build solutions to problems and the technical aspects. And I'm really glad you brought up the whole um, story about how it took 15 years for this to really take off. That mm -hmm. shows again to that idea of persistence and learning right. from your mistakes, <laughs> um, which is, you know, it, like what a lot of actuaries we, we're really tasked with doing within the exam right. process, which is, you know, <laughs> We're going to fail at some point. I mean, as, right. as much as we don't want to admit it, we're going to fail at yeah. some point, which is completely okay. I mean, we should embrace the failure at this point. Right. Um, because right. it allows us, like you said, you learned from your mistakes and you made a better product from that. And it, look where it's sure. brought you today, right? <laughs> right. I'll even share, I, I failed my share of exams as well. I don't know how many, but um, it was more than one. Um, and you know, less than nine or whatever, but it's probably about half a dozen and, uh, they were never easy to fail because, uh, you know, you want to move on and whatnot. But one of the things that helped me through that was, uh, I kind of had a goal of getting done in eight years. And so I built in margins in my time that uh, allowed for failing some exams and not, and still achieve my goal. And so when they did occur, you know, I reminded myself that, okay, I'm still on pace to get this done. And now it should be easier for me to pass this the next time because I already know the material. And so uh, that kind of helped me uh, get over the fact that I was, you know, highly disappointed when I failed because you put in a lot of work and, and you really felt like you were ready for it. And yet you still didn't get it done. And, uh, uh, but it, uh, it, it gave me kind of that freedom to not panic and say, okay, this is still part of the plan. We're, we're still okay. Exactly. Exactly. It's always nice to, you know, kind of plan for the possibility of it happening. It's always to be yeah. safe and, and right. cautious. You yeah. Know, we need margins. And, you know, as actuaries, exactly. we build margins into our pricing and, uh, we need margins into our study time and, and so uh, whatever that means for you, but you, you need to be able to plan out margins and getting through this. Exactly, exactly. So um, I'm actually really glad you kind of highlighted some of the um, aspects that you kind of found um, difficult in the process of exam taking. Um, but what do you think today is the most difficult thing for a student starting off their exam process? Well, that's a good question. Uh, probably the same thing that I alluded to earlier in that it's such of a massive uh, task, you know, what do you do? And you, and you talked about uh, the college experience. And if you think about what you've accomplished in college, it's pretty remarkable, all the things you've studied and learned, but you've had the benefit of a professor 
and counselors that have really guided you along the way and say, okay, if you want this major, you take these classes. And then within a class, they say, okay, here's your syllabus. This is what you need to study. And today's lecture is on this. And so everything's kind of broken down into small pieces where you know what direction you need to go the next day. Now you still have to study, but that whole concept of what to do next has already been solved for you. And uh, that part of it, of the exam, is a little bit uh, open-ended. Generally, you know, okay, I know what exam I need to start with, maybe like either P or FM. But then once you get that done, you know, you've got this humongous stack of material you need to cover, and no one's really telling you what to do next. And so I really think the hardest part is to figure out what path should I take. And you say, okay, I've got three months of time. That's a lot of time. I'm willing to spend it, but how do I spend my time? What do I study? How do I study? And so I think those are the things that are most difficult for students to get through is to figure all those things out. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that, um, both personally, because I just recently passed P and I kind of stumbled upon that whole thing of, okay, I know P and FM was first, what's next? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it is definitely one of those things that really um, is taxing um, and kind of intimidating to look at at first. But um, as long as you evaluate kind of what's at, at hand, you can, you know, kind of tackle it one by one, right? Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, congrats on passing P. Then. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I found out in a, I passed it in January and now I'm studying for IFM. So it's going to be a fun time, right? <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's a, that's a great exam. That's a lot bigger. Oh, yes. Most definitely. Most definitely. So um, then outside of the whole um, dividing and conquering within exams, <laughs> what other tips or tricks do you offer these students to kind of combat this I guess, mountain of material after kind of we pass B and FM. Um, right. What tips and tricks? Yeah. Yeah. I think the uh, whole idea of avoid one-offs is a good rule of thumb to think about. And you want to systematize everything you can do, have it repeated. So you don't have to think about what to do next. <clears throat> and so that involves figuring out you know when to study and uh, the very first thing I would recommend doing when you decide to take an exam is to put together a study schedule and you know we've got free spreadsheets that we put together coaching actuaries that guide you through that and you want to customize it to what fits you but it's important to lay that out to get the big picture to get your strategy laid out and so that you have an idea as to where you're going. And so I would suggest trying to do that right away. Now, if you're like me, that's a hard thing to do because I like to jump in and start studying. And uh, uh, I have to really force myself to take that time. But I really think it's the best, you know, three, four hours you may spend uh, studying is those first three or four hours putting together a schedule and trying to figure that out. And, and then as you do that for one exam, then you'll find that, okay, uh, this work. And then when you go to your next exam, you can follow that same process. And, uh, and so, you know, come up with things that you can do over and over again that repeat are, are good. And, and that even includes 
what you focus on when you uh, what what you study because you know you can study anything on the syllabus and you'll never know it all. I never knew it all going into exam. No student knows it all going into the exam. Even the people that prepare the exams don't know it all. So you know the goal is not to know it all. Um, so you got to be strategic, and that means uh, identify what is the most important topics that they're asking, and. So as you lay out your starting point, your syllabus, you know, keep that big picture in mind of, okay, this is what the, is most important for the exam. This is the weight that is on, this section's worth 20%. Well, I, I better put in at least, you know, like 20% of my time on this section. And this 3% over here, I don't need to worry about so much uh, because I can pass it even if I don't know 3% of the material. So, you know, those types of things of getting used to looking at the weight of the, the syllabus and allocating your time that way, um, I think is really important because it's easy to look at questions and think that they're all worth the same. And, and sometimes we're intrigued by a problem and we really want to understand it. And yet, if that problem is very unlikely to show up in an exam, you really shouldn't be spending too much time on it, even if you're very curious and motivated to study for it. Uh, and so, you know, those are the kinds of discipline you want to develop as you study is to, uh, you know, to stay on that uh, track that gets you efficiently through the exam process. Fantastic. So I guess one of the big things we have to focus on is priorities. We need to figure out what the biggest yeah. priority of the, the syllabus or the exam is and really make sure we hit that home um, and right. really, really study that a lot and make sure we know that one pretty well as opposed to all the other topics that aren't as important. We know them, you know, we focus a little bit less time on them, but we still, you know, put some time and effort towards them, but not as much towards yeah. that very important section, so to say. Right. Yeah, I think that's a good one word summary, Matt, uh, is to prioritize things and understand how to do that. Fantastic. Yeah, though that is that's a huge skill to be able to develop as an actuary. And the sooner we develop that, the, the better, right. I guess, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Fantastic. And you know, I struggle with that myself uh, on a daily basis, but I do find it's a skill I can learn. And I fortunately I hang around people who are really good at it. And so I've learned from them. And and so it may not be a skill that you maybe feel like you have right now but it is something that you can learn and you really want to learn that. It, it's not something that uh, you can afford not to learn because I've actually wasted a lot of time in my career by not prioritizing. And uh, I've kind of had to learn through the school of hard knocks that, uh, you know, I look back and like, Oh, if I would have made the right decision way back, um, you know, six months ago, I would have saved myself uh, a lot of time and effort. And so, you know, that's part of the learning process. Exactly, exactly. Now, um, now, on to the next question. What is your view on actuarial software? Well, I, I really uh, have enjoyed software and I've uh, I spent a lot of time in my career on it. And I think it's a great opportunity for, you know, new actuaries, such as the folks here at graduating from, you know, University of Nebraska-Lincoln, uh, that they have an opportunity to really learn and use uh, cutting edge technology. And, uh, and so hopefully 
there's some excitement about using that software, but it is kind of like a cutting edge uh, sword in that you have to use it well. Uh, I think there was a movie out there that, you know, with technology comes great responsibility. And a part of my consulting work was I, I uh, did some state examinations. And so, you know, I would ask actuaries, you know, when they ran their software, like, how did you know this answer was correct? And, and a lot of times the answer, or some of the times the answer would be, well, because the software told me that. And it's kind of like, uh, you know, going through the practice problems now and just assuming that what you finish is the right answer. And I think that there's this uh, skill that we need to have as actuaries is to always check for reasonableness. And uh, that skill is really critical in your career because you, the last thing you want to do is to report an answer to management of something that's not reasonable. But of course, the software is agnostic. It will, you know, garbage in, garbage out. Um, and it's so complicated now that it's super easy to get off track and get garbage answers. And so there's this uh, skill to develop that you need to, to be able to always ask, is this reasonable? And I really think that if you can develop that skill now, as you're solving simpler problems, you never want to report an answer that uh, is not reasonable. And you're fortunate in the lower level exams that you know there's five answers in, uh, on a multiple choice and, and probably all of them might be reasonable, but pretty soon you'll get into the LTM exam perhaps that is written or the upper level exams that are written or even at college. Uh, I imagine your college professors will grade harshly if you give an unreasonable answer. And so I just think that that's a uh, skill that some actuaries lack is uh, they, they don't take a step back and look for reasonableness in what they're doing. And, and so I think that uh, that's something that you always want to question and uh, say, is this a reasonable solution? So um, basically just kind of like, analyzing and using our critical thinking skills whenever something like an, a model produces an output being like, okay, is right. this something that we should expect? Is this something right. that's like completely outside of the box, like came out of nowhere or being right. able to identify those areas of, okay, maybe this isn't right. Or, okay, this, this seems like a reasonable answer. As you said, yeah. it's like huge. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen so many people report nonsensical answers and, uh, you know, you lose a little bit of credibility when, when that occurs. And uh, we're in the business of uh, answering questions that there is no right answer. Uh, so it's not like there's a right answer, but there's uh, answers that are not reasonable uh, or wrong answers. Now, that doesn't mean... Uh, we don't get answers that are surprises. Uh, but then we need to anticipate questions about those surprises. And, and so uh, there's been many times where like either I was reporting it or I've seen someone else report an answer that was kind of a surprise. And as people question that, there was not an answer to, you know, prepare for that. And, uh, and so uh it's not like we don't encounter surprises, but we always want to have an intuition behind why this came out with something that was maybe not as intuitive. And so uh, 
and this is a kind of like a wonderful world we live in to be able to work in this gray area and be able to have conversations with answers that are, there is no right answer, but uh, to be able to uh, uh, have a sense of intuition about what is reasonable is really the, the number one skill I think actuaries have to have is what, what is reasonable and then to be able to explain things that may seem unreasonable. Very true. Very true. Because like you said, we work in a gray area, so we need to be able to identify what that is exactly. What's unreasonable, what's reasonable. And if it is a surprise, as you said, we need to identify, okay, maybe this isn't exactly what we expected. And then maybe go back and see, okay, this kind of makes sense. And through yeah. going through all the processes and stuff like that. Yeah. So. You know, I think we're living that in the COVID-19 where there's so much uncertainty out there. And yet this is the world where he's you know, this is the world we live in is, is this type of thing. And so we shouldn't be shy about that, but we should also uh, be critically thinking. And, you know, we probably see news reports of things that are reported and we can look back and say that um, that is kind of like a misquote of reality. And, uh, and, and so, uh, you know, always have that radar on about kind of questioning things that get reported. And, uh, and I think that's a good skill for actuaries to develop. And we'll realize that a lot of other people maybe aren't as good at that. Very true. Very true. Because one of the big things about actuarial science majors and actuaries in general is we always love to learn. So being able to yeah. always apply our critical thinking skills, always a great thing that we can use to practice our learning and that's further right. ourselves down the line. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, boy, there's all kinds of math going on with uh, and risk with you know with our world today. And uh, so, if you're studying probability or you're studying uh, models and data, you know we're living it right now. And uh, hopefully, you can find this interesting. Obviously, we all share in the humanity of the uh, the struggle of it all, but from a professional. There's a lot of interesting stuff out there that we should be uh, at least trying to educate ourselves on. That is very true because there's so much data available to us now, and that's mm -hmm. what actuaries love. We love data. That's right. We love analyzing yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's just, but like you said, it is a crazy, uncertain world we live in, and, and we hope everyone that's listening is safe and you know healthy, and all your friends and family are safe and healthy as well. So. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Fantastic. So, and then on to the next question. So we've talked a lot about um, coaching actuaries in general and, and what exactly um, you do and how you developed it. But um, what are the benefits of students using your products uh, of coaching from coaching actuaries? Well, you know, of course, I'm pretty biased in my answer in this. So <laughs> I'll give you that disclaimer right up front. But uh, one of the things I do uh, about in the last 12 months, I've been taking this BOSU class. I don't know. Do you know what a BOSU is? Okay. I do not. No, no. Yeah. Well, what it is, you may have seen them before in gyms, but it's like a half of a sphere, like a dome. And uh, it's one of those things that uh, some crazy person came up with the idea that it's a good thing to, to do exercises on. And so, you know, you stand on it, you do squats and things you can maybe do on the ground, but you do it on this thing and it forces you to 
uh, it makes it more difficult because you have to work on balance and whatnot. So I participate in a class where an instructor is a specialist. And so we're doing all these kind of crazy things. And they're really good for me because, you know, at my age, I got to work on my balance and, and strength and, and whatnot. But it's, these are things I would never dream of doing on my own. And I wouldn't know what to do. But when I show up for my class, um, I'm there with an instructor and I'm there with other colleagues and we're doing this together. And so I kind of look at coaching actuaries as being that instructor that can be there and coach people along where people can kind of just show up at our website and we will uh, help them to do things that may seem a little bit crazy. Uh, but, you know, we've tried to put in a lot of time thinking about the processes. And of course, we're trying to develop good content and, um, you know, things that get you from A to Z from the beginning to the end and not just part of the way there. And so, you know, that's what we're trying to be as a full service shop that you can kind of show up and we're not going to pass the exams. You know, that still is your job, but we can help you really plan things out and make things efficient and effective for you. So that's kind of what I see Coach Actuaries is, is trying to do. Fantastic. And I'm glad you uh, highlighted the thing that you guys can't pass the exams. We have to do that ourselves. Um, and yeah. you guys are providing us fantastic tools. Um, I, cause I remember um, I passed P like I said, I passed PNFM and I use coaching actuaries for both and they were incredible tools to help my learning process and everything. Uh-huh throughout well, the process. So I, I appreciate, you know, you, you, you know, hearing that response from you and cause I personally experienced that um, I need to be able to one to put in the work to utilize these fantastic tools that you guys have provided us to pass these exams. Um, and like I said, they are fantastic tools. They've been incredibly useful in my professional journey as becoming a credentialed actuary. So uh-huh. it's really cool to kind of hear the other end um, I guess you uh-huh. could say of a, of a coach, which is cool. <laughs> Yeah. Well, good. You know, we live for those stories. And uh, that was another reason why I kind of got out of the industry was I really enjoy connecting with customers and uh, working for a large company, you're removed from the customers. No, that doesn't mean you're not helping customers, but I enjoy uh, hearing directly from customers and having a little bit more of a closer connection to what I'm doing to seeing that help uh, the customers. And so, uh, when we hear stories about that, uh, you know, that's, that's what motivates us to do what we do. Fantastic. Well, that's, that's great to hear that it's always about the, uh, the student, uh, which is the customer in this, in this case in point, but right. that's, that's fantastic. Now, um, what is it like being the owner and president of a prominent actuarial study outfit? And what helps you stay up to date on SOA and CAS exam changes? Well, maybe I'll answer that second one first, since that is super easy, and that is uh, I have a great staff. Uh, my staff really is the one that keeps uh, me up to date and our company up to date. We've got a, quite a large team, and so everyone has their responsibility of looking at that. Now, we do not have you know any inside information from the SOA or CAS, so everything we know is publicly available but we do put a lot of resources in trying to uh, keep current on things and keep up to date. And so that if other people aren't wanting to do that, then, you know, we, we provide that service for them, but it's not like we have uh, inside information on that. And uh, 
and with regard to being the owner and president, uh, you know, it's just living a dream. Uh, it's not something I had envisioned when I first started. I, you know, I, I learned early on, I kind of wanted to help people help pass exams, but, uh, you know, where I'm at now was, was beyond what I anticipated. And so I'm you know, forever thankful for that. But I think that there's principles involved there that I can look back on of, you know, trying to do the right things and helping people has always uh, been something that has, I guess, rewarded me. And even though I made my share of mistakes and uh, uh, I haven't always figured things out right, uh, that's always been a good principle I've learned is to try to do that. And so I think that, uh, uh, you know, doing the doing what's right will always lead to a good career. And uh, one thing I've learned about actuaries is generally they are people that really like to do things right. And, and that's why I like working with actuaries is, you know, they're good, hardworking people. They're fun people. They, they work hard, but they're very approachable. And so there's no, uh, you know, um, I've got a title of a president. Um, there's other actuaries that are chief actuaries, uh, but we're all very approachable type people. And, uh, and so that's another cool thing about the, the career as an actuary is, you know, there's really no superstars or there's no, no one that's above anyone else. And, uh, and so I think that if that type of culture interests you to be able to collaborate with professionals like that, I think you'll find working, you know, with actuaries is, you know, a good thing to do. Yeah. So overall, one of the big things that um, I've kind of seen in my time as an actuarial student is the the community between actuaries and actuarial science. And what you just explained is, you know, exactly what I've seen. Um, the, the community between actuaries, because it is a very small, tight-knit community, considering that many people um, don't either know about the profession or um, it, uh, there's few people that have their credentials. Um, compared to the population, there's a lot, many people that have their, their credentials, but compared to the population of people um, out there, there is not that many. So it is a very tight knit community. And I'm really glad you highlighted the aspects of we are hardworking people. We are outgoing people. We love to like, you know, communicate with other actuaries and gather their insights and just, you know, be around with them and, you know, learn and everything, you know, along those aspects. So it's fantastic. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting uh, how much uh, connectivity there is in actuaries in the exam process. I mean, you guys know that, right? When there's uh, rumors going around, uh, you guys take studying for exams very seriously. And and so there's a lot of connectivity in that. And that connectivity continues through your career. And uh, the good news is if you do a good job, uh, you know, people will know about it. And that's also the bad news is because if you don't do a good job, people will know about it. And so uh, when I go to meetings, uh, I see the same people often over and over again. And I like that because we connect, uh, but it does develop that, you know, really strong sense of community and people know uh, what your strengths are. And so you know, that's kind of what got me through my consulting career was I had a very small niche and I was awful at marketing, but people knew what my niche was. And so if they ever needed my niche, they contacted me. And, you know, that's the type of thing that you 
have an opportunity as an actuary is to find your niche and be good, very good at it. And if you can accomplish that, people will find you and that's the best job security you'll ever have. It's not finding the perfect company. It's not finding the perfect degree. Uh, it's developing a niche to become an expert, you know, at something. And uh, you may not know what that is now, but if you keep working at it, keep looking for that niche, you know, in five or 10 years, you'll figure it out. And that will be your true, you know, goal is to find that niche and to be really the world's best at something. Exactly. And I'm really glad you brought up the whole idea of like finding your niche because um, one of the big things that we kind of struggle with as students is, okay, what am I good at and what am I passionate about? And finding that is incredibly difficult um, at this day and age. Um, And, you know, it's okay that it's difficult. Um, one of the big things I always like to tell people with that is, um, you know, always just just try anything that comes, you know, your way and see if you like it. Because uh, at the end of the day, if you don't like it, you can move on to something else. And you just found out, hey, I don't like this. And, you know, you're eventually going to find out something you like through the process of elimination. Um, right. So it's it's going to happen at some point. You just got to be diligent with it. So. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You, you just never know. And often the niche might be, you might be the only one doing it. And, and so by definition, you're the best. And that's, that's kind of what happened to me. You know, I was the, my niche was to uh, provide uh, technology solutions for actual departments in the Midwest. Well, I was the only one doing it that I know of. And so uh, that way, if anyone had a problem, they, they would contact me and I became the best because I was the only. <laughs> and, uh, but that's okay, you know, as you, that's not something I sought out, but it just kind of happened. And, and so, you know, you'll find that you like things like maybe you like to write, maybe you like to speak, maybe you like to build databases, maybe you like to program you know, who knows what you like doing, but, you know, start with that and pretty soon you'll find that will lead to something and you just kind of continuing uh, specializing in that skill set and something will evolve if you're willing to work at it. Very true. Very true. You just got to keep working at it and eventually it'll all work out. That's right. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Well, Dave, it has been an absolute pleasure to get to talk to you today and, you know, share your insights with our students and everything coaching actuaries and the exam process and what tips and tricks you have in your personal story. I really enjoyed hearing your personal story and how you stumbled upon developing coaching actuaries as a as an outfit to study for exams. And it's been incredibly helpful in my journey. So I thank you for everything that you've done to help um, students and and all around now and it's right. been fantastic so thank you very much right. well good well and uh i uh w- want to maybe shout out a, a little uh message about university of nebraska because you know i i knew um you know uh one of your superstars there professor lechner and uh you know the uh the legacy you guys have there uh is really amazing uh and what he left and it is really something special. And then I think Sue and others are, you know, carrying that legacy on, but uh, what you guys have there, it it really is a great opportunity. And I know sometimes it's difficult to realize that because you're in it, but uh, 
you've, you've got, a, um, you know, a, an opportunity to build something strong there from what has been laid at, you know, in front of you. And so I, I just encourage you to kind of take a step back and appreciate that opportunity and, and really take advantage of it because it's going to be over with real soon. And then you can be in a, in a job. And so, you know, just try to make, make the most of what you have, you know, at the university of Nebraska. Exactly. And, you know, Sue leaves no shortage of opportunities for us in our newsletter. I will tell you that. <laughs> well, good. Good. Yeah. She's, she's special. So uh, I'm glad she's doing that. Yes, me too. Me too. And, and all of our students are very glad and, and very fortunate to have Sue and, and have her carry on Warren's legacy because I heard so much about Warren Luckner uh -huh. and everything he's done. And, and Sue's done a fantastic job carrying Absolutely. on the program. And I've, I've loved every second of it. So uh -huh. like you said, just kind of, you know, take a step back and look, look at what you've got. And right. she really allows us to, you know, gather perspective on everything and, you know, take a step back whenever we need to. And, uh, allow us to develop as, as professionally and both personally, which is, you uh -huh. know, fantastic. So it's, it's been an absolute blast to say the least, but well, good. <laughs> Great to hear Matt. Yes. Yeah. Well, but thank Dave, you. I appreciate the opportunity. It's been, been a lot of fun. Yes, Dave. Thank you so much for taking the time out today. We very much appreciate having you on, but without further ado, I guess we'll be signing off now.